وسار نحو الشام أشرف الورى في عام خمسة وعشرين اذكرا لأمنا خديجة متجرا وعاد فيه رابحا مستبشرا فكان فيه عقده عليها وبعده إفضاؤه إليها وولده منها خلا إبراهيم فالأول القاسم حاز التكريم وزينب رقية وفاطمة وأم كلثوم لهن خاتمة والطاهر الطيب عبد الله وقيل كل اسم لفرد زاهي والكل في حياته ذاق الحمام وبعده فاطمة بنصف عام وبعد خمس وثلاثين حضر بنيان بيت الله لما أندثر وحكموه ورضوا بما حكم في وضع ذاك الحجر الأسود ثم وبعد عام أربعين أرسلا في يوم الاثنين يقينا فانقلا في رمضان أو ربيع الأولين وسورة قرأ أول المنزلين ثم الوضوء والصلاة علمه جبريل وهي ركعتان محكمة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome back to our series on the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam studying the poem Al-Urjuzatul Mi'iyya fi dhikri hali ashraf al-bariyya The hundred lines of poetry in memory of the best of creation or the life of the best of mankind the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by the great Imam Ibn Abil Izz al-Hanafi rahimuhullah in our last lesson, we covered the first 12 verses or lines of the poem. And we basically covered the first 12 years of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam's life, where he is now under the care of Abu Talib, his uncle. Before we begin the next few lines or the next few verses of this poem, the Prophet Wasallam in his teenage years and moving forward after that, he witnessed a few things such as Hilf al-Fudul, and this was a pact of justice that no one was to be dealt with unjustly in Mecca. This shows the Prophet wasallam was standing up and pleased with justice even before prophethood. And also there was a war of immorality, which some of the reports in the history books have said the Prophet wasallam played a minor role in, in that he would collect the arrows for his uncles who were fighting on the side of Quraysh against their enemy. And also, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ had a few occupations, namely herding sheep. And he said ﷺ that every Prophet that Allah sent herded sheep or worked as a shepherd. The companions عنهم, asked, and even you? He said, ﷺ, yes, I herded them for Qararit, for the people of Mecca. And his hadith is found in Bukhari. And as Ibn Hajar said, Qararit has two possible meanings as the scholars have said. One is that it's a place in Mecca and two that it's a portion of a dinar or dirham in which case the Prophet wasallam was mentioning his wages or what he would earn for herding sheep. And as we know, a shepherd picks up and develops many great qualities, my dear brothers and sisters, such as patience, humbleness, bravery, mercy and compassion and ability to deal with hardship. 
And also the love of earning one's living through lawful means. And the Prophet ﷺ has said that no one has eaten better food than that which he eats from what he works at with his hand. And verily the Prophet of Allah Dawood would eat from the work of his hand salam. And this is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari. And another occupation he had which leads us to the next few lines is trade. And this brings us to our first few verses of the poem for today, verses 13 to 15, which speak about his leaving for Sham on business with Khadija's wealth. The Sheikh says, Rahimullah, Wasara Nahwa Shami Ashraful Wara, Fiami Hamsatin Warishrina Kura, Leumina Khadijatin Muttajira, Wada Fihira Bihan Mustabishira, Fakana Fihi Akuduhu Aleha, Wabadahu Ifdahu Ileha. And remember when the best of mankind set out towards Sham upon turning twenty five years old. For our mother Khadija, as a businessman, he returned with a prophet and rejoiced. In that year, he married her and consummated his marriage with her. In these lines, my dear brothers and sisters, the Sheikh is mentioning the Prophet wasallam's second journey to Asham. And as the lines mention, the purpose of this journey was business on behalf of Khadija radiallahu anha. Now, if we look into the reports about Khadija radiallahu anha, bint Khuwailid. She was a determined and intelligent woman. She was also rich and had several kinds of trade. And pretty much all the men of Mecca were very keen to marry her. And she, radiallahu anha, did not engage directly in trade herself. Rather, she used to employ men to work on her behalf. Now, news reached Khadija of the honest and trustworthy qualities of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So she wanted to hire him to work for her and do trade on her behalf. So she sent someone to offer him work and he sallallahu alayhi wasallam agreed. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came back from the trade journey and he had made far more money for Khadija trading than anyone else ever had. And Khadija was impressed with all his qualities as she was informed of by her slave Maysara who was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam during this trade journey. And he witnessed all these amazing qualities of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So as the Sheikh mentions in the poem, Wasara Nahwa Shami, he set out towards Asham in order to do business with Khadija's wealth, Ashraful Wara, the best of mankind, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as he is the most virtuous and excellent of all of mankind, the head and leader of all mankind sallallahu alayhi wasallam, fi ami khamsatin wa ishrina uthkura, upon turning 25 years old, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was 25 years old when he left for his second journey to Asham to do business for Khadija radiallahu anha, li'ummina Khadija, for our mother Khadija. And as we know, my dear brothers and sisters, the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam are our mothers, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said about them, وَأَزْوَاجُهُ أُمَّهَاتُهُمْ And his wives are the believers' mothers as regards to respect and marriage. Then the Sheikh said, Muttajiran, meaning as the businessman, meaning the Prophet ﷺ would do business on Khadija's behalf with her wealth. And this is called like a silent partnership, where one person has the wealth and the other does the business. Wa'ada fihi, he, the Prophet ﷺ, returned from this business trip, Rabihan, having attained the great Prophet, Mustabashiran, rejoiced. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ was very happy of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed him with on this journney. وَكَانَ فِيهِ meaning the 25th year of his life, 
عقده عليها وبعده إفضاؤه إليها Meaning he married her and consummated the marriage with her. So he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married Khadija, the mother of the believers, and consummated the marriage. And she, radiallahu anha, was the first woman he married. And she had many, many virtues that have been mentioned in the authentic reports, such as the report mentioned by Aisha radiallahu anha, as is found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim. She said, I did not feel jealous of any of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as much as I did of Khadija, though I did not see her. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to mention her very often. And whenever he slaughtered the sheep, he would cut its parts and send them to the friends of Khadija radiyallahu anha when on one occasion I said to him and Aisha said to him radiyallahu anha كَأَنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا إِمْرَأَةٌ إِلَّا Khadija You treat Khadija in such a way as if there is no woman on earth except Khadija Then he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam إِنَّهَا كَانَتْ وَكَانَتْ وَكَانَ لِي مِنْهَا وَلَدٌ Khadija was such and such and from her I had children radiyallahu anha then the Sheikh moves on in the poem and mentions the next few verses where he discusses the children that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had. He says, Rahimuhullah, وَوِلْدُهُ مِنْهَا فَلَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ فَالْأَوَّلُ الْقَاسِمُ حَازَ التَّكْرِيمُ All of his children were from her except Ibrahim. The first child was Al-Qasim who held the status of honor. So all of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's children were from Khadija except Ibrahim. And his mother was Maria Al-Qubtiya. And the first child for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was Al-Qasim. فَالْأَوَّلُ Al-Qasim. And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given the kunya Abu Al-Qasim. هَذَا التَّقْرِيمُ Who held a status of honor. Then the Shaykh continues in line or verse 17, mentioning the daughters of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَزَيْنَبُ الرَّقَيَّةٌ وَفَاطِمَةٌ وَأُمُّ كُلْثُومٍ لَهُنَّ خَاتِمَةٌ and then Zainab, Ruqayya, Fatima, and Umm Kulthum were the last of them. And these are the four daughters of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All of them, my dear brothers and sisters, accepted Islam and made the Hijrah to Medina. So the Prophet Sallallahu oldest child was Al-Qasim. Afterwards, he had Zainab, then Ruqayya, then Fatima, and then Umm Kulthum. The Sheikh said, خاتمة, And Umm Kulthum was the last of them, meaning she was the youngest daughter of the Prophet wasallam. Although there is a difference of opinion amongst the people of knowledge concerning this matter, with many of the scholars saying that Fatima was the youngest. Ibn Hajar, he stated in his explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, Fath al-Bari, what he's agreed upon concerning his children is that they are Al-Qasim, he passed away when he was young before prophethood or shortly thereafter. He had four daughters of which are Zainab, Ruqayya, Umm Kulthum and then Fatima. Although some narratives mention Umm Kulthum was younger than Fatima. The Sheikh then says in verse 18 of this poem, and Al-Tahir and Al-Tayyib is Abdullah. Although some say each name represents individually a splendid person. So my dear brothers and sisters, the names Al-Tahir and Al-Tayyib are two nicknames for Abdullah. And they are not the names of two other sons. But there are some who say each name represents different children. As the Sheikh mentioned in the poem, وَكِيلَ كُلُّ إِسْمٍ لِفَرْدٍ Although some say each name represents individually. 
this is another statement or another view which the author mentions here as Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr mentions in order to declare it as being da'if or weak which is that these three names are for three individuals as Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentions in Fathul Bari, Abdullah was born after prophethood. He was called a Tahir and a Tayyib, while others hold the weak position that these two names are of his brothers who passed away when they were young. My dear brothers and sisters, as the next line mentions of this poem, the next verse, all of his children sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away during his lifetime except Fatima radiallahu anha. The Sheikh says, Rahimuhullah, Walkullu fi hayatihi daqul himam, wa ba'dahu fatimatun binisfi'am. All of them tasted death during his life, although Fatima passed away a half a year after him, or six months after him. See, all of them, my dear brothers and sisters, Walkullu, meaning all of his children, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, passed away fi hayatihi during his lifetime. Some of them tasted death before his prophethood, and as we know, all the boys died in infancy, while some passed away after the Prophet ﷺ made migration to Medina, with the exception of Fatima radiallahu anha, who passed away six months after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And Ms. Aisha radiallahu anha mentions in the authentic report in Bukhari and Muslim, Anna Fatimata radiallahu anha, Aashat ba'da Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sittata ashur. That Fatima radiallahu anha lived up to six months after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there's also a beautiful hadith also found in Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha where Aisha describes that once Fatima came walking and her walk resembled the walk of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he welcomed her saying marhaban bibnati Welcome, O oh my daughter. Then he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, made her sit on his right side or on his left side. And then he told her a secret and she started to weep. I asked her, meaning Aisha asked Fatima radiallahu anha, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? He again told her a secret and she started laughing. I said, meaning Aisha said, I never saw happiness say near to sadness as I saw today. I asked her what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had told her. She, meaning Fatima radiallahu anha, said, I would never disclose the secret of Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam died, I asked her about it. She replied, radiallahu anha, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Every year Jibreel used to revise the Quran with me once, but this year he has done it twice. I think this foretells my death and you'll be the first of my family to follow me. So I started weeping. Then he said, don't you like to be the chief of all ladies of paradise or the chief of the believing woman? So I laughed for that. Radiallahu anha. Now we'll move on to verse 20 or line 20, which discusses the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam witnessing the mushrikeen rebuilding the Kaaba. The Sheikh says, rahimahullah, وَبَعْدَ خَمْسٍ وَثَلَاثِينَ حَضَرٍ after reaching 35 years, he was present at the building of the house of Allah after it was destroyed. Now the Shaykh Rahimahullah is mentioning here when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam witnessed the construction of the sacred house of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. This happened when he was 35 years old. And this was due to the fact that the Kaaba had become fragile because of a huge flood that weakened its foundation and cracked its walls. So its structure needed to be rebuilt. The Prophet ﷺ was present 
and witnessed its reconstruction. It is authentically reported, my dear brothers and sisters, that he took part in transporting stones for the construction of the Kaaba. As mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu an, that when the Kaaba was built, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abbas, his uncle, went to bring stones for its construction. Al-Abbas said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, take off your waist sheet or your izar and put it on your neck. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam took it off, he fell on the ground with his eyes open towards the sky and said, Arini izari, show me or give me my waist sheet and he covered himself with it. In the next verse, verse 21, the Sheikh says in this line, They appointed him and were content with his choice on placing the black stone there. Now my dear brothers and sisters, when they had completed the rebuilding of the Kaaba and it was time to put the black stone back in its place, a serious disagreement took place between the tribes of Quraysh due to them all knowing how sacred this stone is and its status and virtues. Every tribe wanted to acquire and have this honor of putting the black stone back in its place. So they differed greatly over it and this arguing intensified. It's mentioned that as they were disputing over who should put the black stone back in its place and it was getting very serious, the eldest of Quraysh, who some mentioned it was Abu Umama, said, O group of Quraysh, let us appoint concerning what we disagree upon the first person to come through the door of the masjid as an arbitrator over us. So they did, and the first person to enter the masjid was the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When they saw him, they said, this is the trustworthy one. We are content. This is Muhammad. When he came to them, they informed him of what happened. He said, bring me a cloth that so was brought to him. And he took a corner and placed a black stone in the center. Then he said, every tribe should take a corner of the cloth. They then lifted it up together until they all reached the corner where the black stone was to be placed. Then he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, lifted the stone with his hand and put it in. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this shows, my dear brothers and sisters, that the Prophet ﷺ, even before prophethood, was very wise and could not only see the problems of society, but also fix them. Now regarding the black stone, my dear brothers and sisters, the black stone has many authentic reports regarding it. That firstly, it was sent down from paradise, and also that it was whiter than milk, but the sins of the sons of Adam made it black. And also that the black stone will come forth on the day of resurrection and will testify in favor of those who touched it in truth. And as we know, touching, kissing or pointing to the black stone is the first thing to be done when starting tawaf, whether it is for hajj or umrah or voluntary tawaf. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ kissed the black stone and his ummah followed his lead. And other reports also mention that touching the black stone is one of the things by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expiates for sins, meaning wipes away sins due to it. The Shaykh then in verse 22 or line 22, he mentions the beginning of prophethood with the first revelation. But before we mention that, the Prophet ﷺ had signs of prophethood, meaning signs that the Prophet ﷺ witnessed prior to prophethood, such as true dreams. As Aisha said, the commencement of the wahi, the divine inspiration to Allah's messenger, was in the form of good dreams, which came true like bright 
daylight or like the light of dawn as is mentioned in the authentic reports. And also the Prophet ﷺ started to love seclusion and solitude as is also found in Bukhari and then the love of seclusion was bestowed upon him. He used to go in seclusion in the cave of Hira where he used to worship continuously for many days. He used to take with him provision for the stay until he would return to his family and he continued doing this until the truth descended upon him while he was in the cave of Hira. And as Ibn Hajar mentioned, Rahimahullah, there are many benefits of this type of worship in the cave of Hira. Firstly, al-khalwa or seclusion or solitude. Secondly, worship or and tadabbur. Thirdly, an-nadharu ila al-bayt, looking at the house of Allah, the Kaaba. And another sign of prophethood, that stones were giving salam to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said in the report found in Sahih Muslim, I know of a stone in Mecca that used to extend greetings of peace to me before I was sent as a prophet. Indeed, I still know of it now. Now we'll mention verse 22 of the poem where the Sheikh says, After turning 40 years old, he was sent as a messenger. With certainty, it happened on a Monday. So after turning 40 years old, the Prophet ﷺ received his first revelation in the cave of Hira. And we know that the authentic reports mentioned that he was first given revelation on a Monday. Because as he said وسلم, about Monday, this is the day on which I was born and the day on which I was sent, the message of Islam, and the day on which I received revelation, as is mentioned in Sahih Muslim. Now as regards to which month the Prophet وسلم, received revelation, the Shaykh mentions in line 23 or verse 23. In Ramadan or Rabi' al-Awwal and Surah Iqra was the first of what was revealed. So the Shaykh's statement here في Ramadan or Rabi' al-Awwal this statement alludes to an actual disagreement about the month in which the Prophet ﷺ was sent to mankind after the agreement that he was sent on a Monday as we discussed. Ibn al-Qayyim says in Zad al-Ma'ad there is no disagreement that he وسلم, was sent as a prophet on a Monday. However, the disagreement lies in the month he was sent. Some scholars say it was on the 8th of Rabi' al-Awwal, 41 years after the year of the elephant. And this statement is that of the majority. Some scholars say rather it occurred in the month of Ramadan and they justify their position with the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an the month of Ramadan in which was revealed the Qur'an they say this is the first of what Allah honored him with by revealing the Qur'an to him so based upon this that second group follows their opinion the first group says in response to that agreement the Qur'an was only revealed all at once in the month of Ramadan on the night of decree to Bayt al-Izzah. Afterward, it was revealed over the course of 23 years depending on various circumstances. Then the Shaykh tells us that Surah Iqra was the first of what was revealed, meaning the first few verses of Surah Iqra, also known as Surah Al-Alaq. And they were the first few ayat revealed upon the Prophet wasallam, as is affirmed in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. Then the Sheikh says in line 24 Afterward, Jibreel taught him, meaning the Prophet the wudu and the salah, which is two complete units of prayer made obligatory. 
My dear brothers and sisters, this is the beginning stages of how the prophethood started. As we know, my dear brothers and sisters, in the early stages, in the Meccan stage of the Dawah, in the first 13 years of the Dawah, the revelation mainly concentrated on Tawheed, purification of the soul, judgment, that this life is short and the next life is permanent, and about paradise and hell. But the question presents itself, as the Sheikh mentioned, how would they pray in Mecca? As we know that the prayer as it is today was obligated during the Isra' al-Mi'raj. But was there prayer before then? Ibn Hajar, he says, before the Isra', the Prophet wasallam definitely used to pray, as did his companions. But there is a scholarly difference of opinion as to whether any kind of prayer was made obligatory before the five daily obligatory prayers or not. It was said that what was obligatory at first was prayer before sunrise and prayer before sunset. The evidence for this is the ayah in which Allah says, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ قَبْلَ طُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ وَقَبْلَ غُرُوبِهَا and exalt, glorify your Lord before the rising of the sun and before its setting. And this is in Surah Taha, Ayah 30, and there are similar verses to this. So my dear brothers and sisters, with this we conclude today's episode. We mentioned in this episode the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Khadija, their children, the rebuilding of the Kaaba, the signs of prophethood, and the first revelation. The verses in Surah Iqra, which encourage us to read and recite in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then as we know, the ulama mentioned that the next few ayat or the next verses revealed were from Surah Al-Muddaffir and Surah Al-Muzzammil. And these ayat are profound in that they encourage the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to arise and warn. Ya ayyuhal muddaffir kum fa'anthir. Ayyuh who covers himself with a garment, referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, arise and warn. And also the ayat in Surah Al-Muzzammil, which say, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil. Illa a you who wraps himself in clothing, Allah is addressing the Prophet ﷺ once again, who was asleep, wrapped in his garments, arise to pray the night for a little. So this teaches us, my dear brothers and sisters, that we have to read, study, recite in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who taught man that which he knew not. And we have to arise and warn, we have to give da'wah, we have to enjoin the good and forbid the evil. And we also, we need nourishment to sustain these activities, and that is through the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially through the prayer. And with that, we conclude today's episode. Insha'Allah, in the next episode, in the next lesson, we will continue from verse 25, or line 25 of this great poem. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. وسار نحو الشام أشرف الورى في عام خمسة وعشرين اذكرا لأمنا خديجة متجرا وعاد فيه رابحا مستبشرا فكان فيه عقده عليها وبعده إفضاؤه إليها وولده منها خلا إبراهيم فالأول القاسم حاز التكريم وزينب رقية وفاطمة وأم كلثوم لهن خاتمة والطاهر الطيب عبد الله وقيل كل اسم لفرد زاهي والكل في حياته ذاق الحمام وبعده فاطمة بنصف عام وبعد خمس وثلاثين حضر بنيان بيت الله لما أندثر وحكموه ورضوا بما حكم في وضع ذاك الحجر الأسود ثم 
وبعد عام أربعين أرسلا في يوم الاثنين يقينا فانقلا في رمضان أو ربيع الأول وسورة قرأ أول المنزلين ثم الوضوء والصلاة علمه جبريل وهي ركعتان محكمة